episode 16 with Jeremy Dotson on the Nine Point Start With A Dream podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Nine Point Start With A Dream podcast, where our goal is to help showcase the story of the athletes and the community that supports them to being real and authentic about their journey. I'm your host, as always, Colby Gillum. This episode with Olympic sprinter Jeremy Dawson. Jeremy, you can just tell, is a real chill, humble guy. It was great talking with him, learning more about his journey. And he got to get a little insight in the world second field as well. So, a lot of value here, and I hope you enjoy and let's get to it. What well, a question I like to throw everyone that comes on is when you were younger as an athlete, what was one of your bigger dreams and goals you wanted to achieve? Uh, when I was younger, I never really had like big goals to achieve. I was, you know, I was a little kid. I was one day at a time, and and one play at a time, and I was wondering when we were gonna get ice cream and when the cookies were gonna come. So I never really had like huge goals. I had older brothers to look up to, and I saw what they did and how people looked up to them, but I don't know, I, I, that was their life, and my life revolved around making sure I got the orange slices at halftime for a football practice. So I wasn't really like, I never really had huge Olympic dreams, but as I grew older, of course, that's when you realize, like, ah, I'm putting a lot of work of this, and maybe I do have some type of talent. Let me let me see how far I can really push myself. So that's how it evolved. I love that because I like telling everyone that interviews so far. I've been like, you know, I wanted to early when I, I knew I wanted to be X Y Z, and you're like, you know, <laughs> and I love that because it's just like, you know, not not everybody starts out wanting to be a pro athlete. You know, it kind of just evolves over time. So so I guess at what age did you kind of realize that you wanted to kind of go to the next level? Uh, it wasn't until maybe high school where I realized like, oh, maybe when I realized there is a next level, actually, you know, when you're little, you're just worried about um, who you're playing, um, when the game is, if it's going to rain, what you're going to do after the game. But then it's not until high school where you realize like, oh, there's a college life and there's a professional life that's pretty attainable. Before you're a little kid, you just watched it on TV and that's where it stood. Michael Johnson was running 200 meters on world record on TV, and that's TV. This is real life. So he never really connected until, I guess, high school when, I guess I'm a little older, but Dysat just came out, and that's when you realize where you're ranked at in the world, or at least in U.S. high school. And so that's when you realize, like, oh, shoot, this this can take me pretty far. So junior, senior year of high school, that's when I really actually thought about pushing it to the next level. So when that ranking came out for the first time, what was your ranking? Uh, when it first came out, I was, I think I was top 10. and That's uh, it, it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty surprising. <laughs> man. And then we went to a huge, simp, back then, Simply was huge back then. All the California teams, all the East Coast teams would come back. And then I ended up being pushed ranked to number two in high school indoors. And that was, that's when I was like, yeah, let's, let's do something with this. <laughs> So in high school, were you were you kind of only mainly track and field, or were you kind of doing other sports as well? I was, I guess, in high school, that's when I became mainly track and field. But I still was involved in football. Every now and then I'd do basketball. But track was somehow, it, it stood out to be the, the main thing. It wasn't my choice. We always hated track, but track was always like the, the preseason sport. It was always a, the the off-season training for football, the off-season training for basketball, or the summer activity to do so you're not getting bored. So that's, I guess, track was just always there for some reason. And 
And now look at me, I'm still doing track. (laughs) Let me ask you this, Ben. So being, you know, from the the Colorado area, so how are they running track in the summer? Because, you know, anywhere else is like hella hot, you know, so everything in Colorado is just like kind of breezy. (laughs) Uh, One thing about Colorado is that we do get all the seasons. So in the summertime, it does reach up to 100 degrees. And and Colorado, believe it or not, is considered a, a desert because of its dry climate, I guess. But so when it gets 190 degrees, it's that dry Arizona type heat. And so it, it kills you. But then we also get the snow times in the winter. We also get the rain in the spring. But I guess one fun fact about Colorado is that, or about Denver at least, is that it is the most sunniest or had the most sunniest days in the United States. So it could be, there are times where it's been blizzard and, and 20 minutes later, the sun is shining and the sky is still blue with snow on the ground. So that's one thing I love about Colorado. Go, go to the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how did you kind of progress in your journey? Was there, so you kind of realized you were pretty good. I don't know, was it, were there ever an ego involved? Or was there ever like, you know, a mentality that like, I'm, I'm good, you know? Like, Man. Yeah. There, there never was an ego. It was, I was always the slowest person on the track. I was always maybe like the slowest brother out of all four of us, I, there were older brothers who were breaking records. I was just in the scene. There were teammates who were freshman phenoms, and I was just the third leg on the relay. Um, people would tell me, like, oh, you split amazing split on that four by two as a freshman. And I'm like, that doesn't mean anything because I didn't make the finals or, or I didn't run an individual event. And so there was never an ego involved. Um, I was never the the big man on campus. I was I was always a, a great leader, but I was never the top dog. And then even in high school, um, my senior year, there's Jamie Samuels who ran 1008 and 2039, and so I was US number two. So I was, I still wasn't the big man on campus then. And we ended up going to University of Arkansas together. And so when I got there, there was Tyson and Wallace and. And Veronica Campbell was there, and then Jamie Samuels was there. So I, I still was never the big guy again. So there, there's never a, an ego involved, and I think that was a, a great thing for me. Even though, like, I'm a pretty quiet, humble guy, I never let the ego get to me. So I was always on that grind, and it always helped me to push further and, and to see what my true potential is instead of what people can tell me my true potential was. I really love that last part. So how did you – determine that what your true potential was you have all these other people around you that are doing great things as well how do you kind of focus in on knowing what you need to do Jeremy needs to do to achieve his goals so they always say like oh don't listen to what people say but sometimes people end up saying the same things and so you start grasping um common themes of what people say so when when a person like Tyson Gay says like oh you have an amazing stride pattern a, a great technique and then Coach Lance Brahman says the same thing, and, and then Wallace Sturman says, like, your top end speed is amazing, and you kind of grasp on those, those, those common themes, and you start to put together your own thoughts of who you are, and then you look back to, to your own past and your own future, and you tend to mold what you believe and then what other people are saying about you into this concept of who you really are. So being, you know, the walk-on track athlete, I, I realized how big track and field was when I got to campus and I was not all, all these other athletes. I'm like, man, 
I'm not as good as I thought I was, you know? So, <laughs> so, so say someone, you know, is, is like you, they have an elite level talent. How would you, I guess, advise them to go about that track journey when it comes to college? You know, college, the pros are like a different level when it comes to track and field. How do you kind of advise them how to go about that process, that journey? So I think with track, it's, it's completely different from different sports. You know, when you get on, especially on, when you get on campus, there's, there's the football players and, and everyone's going to cheer for the football players. Everyone's going to the games. Everyone's wearing their jerseys. And you're just a small little track guy. And they, they ask you, oh, what sport do you play? And you tell them track and they seem like disappointed. So it's, it's, true. it's, true. it's pretty, yeah, pretty disappointing. And you, you think like, oh, am I, am I worth it? Or am I, is, is it, is it worth it? Oh. Then you go, I don't know. I guess you, I, I really learned a lot about myself through the progression of sport, I guess, or through the progression of in this sport, you tend to get out what you put in, in the sport. You could be a walk-on and become an Olympian as many did at the University of Colorado and pretty sure you can be a walk-on and become just as amazing as you are. It's, it, it shows a lot about what you're willing to put in and it exposes a lot of people. So if you're willing to dive deep into discovering who you are as a person, then you really have to take this journey and try and feel very serious. This, this sport, it kind of takes away more than it gives to you in terms of money and, and fame, I guess. You don't really get NFL money. You don't get NBA money, but you tend to get a lot of introspection about who you are and some great people end up being developed through the progression of track and field, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what do you love about track and field? If it, you know, if it isn't all the accolades, all the fame, all the money, what, what, what makes you love the sport? It's probably the rawest and purest sport there is. Numbers don't lie, so you can line up against anyone any day and see who's the fastest that day. And then also it, it exposes who you really are. You can be the fastest person ever, but if you show up to the Rio Olympic Games and the crowd gets to you and you crater, then you discover a bad thing about yourself, maybe. <laughs> but this sport really just exposes who you really are and, and can either make or break you. Very true. Very true. So once you, you left Arkansas and went to Colorado, how was it being back home, you know, going through college again, like being there? Arkansas was great because I got to learn how big the sport really is. Granted, like Fayetteville is a small country town. Like I saw a lot of international track and field there. I got to run my first, my first collegiate race was against Xavier Carter and, and Kelly Willie. So it was, it was, it was a great introduction to the international side and the, the, the largest perspective of sport. But then as I got to Colorado, it got to calm me down and, and I guess being closer to home and, allow me to really, really figure out what I want track to do for me and then what I want to do for the sport. So it was a, it was a, it was a great homecoming. It was, it slowed me down. And I, as I always say, like it was, it was part of the process of this, this sport of track and field. Going, you're going through it. You're, you're running times. How did you know that I want to go pro? Actually, I didn't, I didn't realize I wanted to go pro until Maybe my senior year of college, and the, 
in the meantime of college, I'm, I'm going through college, I'm running great times. I'm just trying to t check the, the, or tick off the, the check marks on the list. So I'm, I went to SEC, tried to score at SEC, I scored at SEC, checked that off. And then I moved to Big 12 and like, oh, there's, there's some more big people here. Let's, let's check off a Big 12 champ, let's check off regional champions, see if I can make an NCAA. I just kept checking off those lists and, and as I checked them all off, there's, I guess, one more left in Olympic trials and make the Olympic Games. And so on that checklist, it's, it kind of requires you to go pro, but you don't necessarily always have to go pro in this sport. You can, I know a lot of people still work in corporate jobs and still able to run amazing times. They're not necessarily pro, they can accept money, but being a pro in this sport and being a collegiate athlete are kind of the same thing. You end up getting free gear and taken care of as a collegiate athlete and almost the same way as a professional. So they're both somewhat the same in my perspective. Gotta love the free gear, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> still, got, Nike, still got a bunch of them. <laughs> Nike Christmas, we called it. <laughs> so so when you're running, like was there ever a time that you just felt I guess maybe like lost maybe or just kind of just like kind of figure out like what am I doing or what am I trying to achieve here when it comes to sports and school and afterlife and whatnot? Uh I guess the second year I was a professional, I, 2012, I barely missed the, making the, the U.S. Olympic team individual spot. I was considered for the relay, but still it wasn't the same thing as making that spot. And in this sport, you're, it, it's, it, it tends to be backwards in a lot of sports. Um, you don't necessarily get a contract by going to the Super Bowl. You get contracts before that and then they invest into you and then you end up going to the Super Bowl and you're able to, to focus on that and go to the Super Bowl. Well, on track, it's like you have to make the Olympic Games in order to get a contract. That's kind of opposite. Um, so you're, you're like fighting this constant battle of, am I supposed to be in this sport? And you're fighting this constant battle of being confident in yourself because a confident runner is a, a fast runner. And so 2012, I was really just, I was uh, just confused. Like I didn't know what to do. I was investing a lot of money that I was not getting back in return into therapy, into coaching, into finding tracks, into equipment, shoes, all types of stuff, paying to go to, to meets around the States, paying to go to meets in, in Europe. There's just a lot of money being spent out and the money that I somewhat promised family, like I'm going to make the Olympics, I'm going to pay for your house. It, it kind of was, you know, fading away. You see, you see classmates in, in college that go to the NFL and immediately they buy huge houses. You want to do the same thing for your family. You're in your sport. You're, you're great at your sport. Why can't the same thing happen to you? And so it was when you're asking for, for help from family, when you're asking for help from brothers, just to, just to compete in this sport as a professional, then it, it tends to hit you hardest. Like, are you on the right path? And so it wasn't, that's when you really have to sit down and think, why are you doing this sport? And, and do you really love doing this sport? And over some years, that's when I realized I just really love to do this sport. For those that don't know, what's like the average cost, I guess, or like ballpark for the spin for Stephen when it comes to track and field? Say you're a professional, you got to say, say you're a professional and you're 
partly sponsored? Like, what will be like the average medium cost? So I guess when you when you're an average person, you went into AA's and you get say maybe the base contract from from Nike. On average, that could that contract equals out to about thirty to fifty thousand dollars a year. And that doesn't include the taxes that they take out from the US. That doesn't include the ten thousand dollars that automatically gets allotted to a specified coach. And then it doesn't include the I guess the, the monthly membership gym fees that you have to pay for just to go work out, which can add up to about five thousand dollars a year. And it doesn't add the the therapy that you need after tearing your body down of four hours a day of training constantly and, and putting on the stress on the body. So after you paid your 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 allotment to wherever you may end up with like fifteen thousand dollars just to play around with. And so that fifteen thousand dollars can either be paid for upgrades to go to all these let's back it up like so you're left with fifteen thousand dollars and then you're left to make money by running in different meets. And so you only get to run in the big meets that pay well if you run well and are invited. So the Diamond League meets, the the IWF permit meets, the World Challenge meets, you have to get invited to those ones by running fast previously. And so the people who have ran fast are getting invited to those meets, so they're already getting paid. And it seems like the rich are getting richer, while the poor who want just a fighting chance to make some type of money are left to with the scraps at Mount Sac or or hustling to pay their own ticket to Drake Relays, which are great meets in of itself, but it's not the $10,000 that you get at, at Diamond Leagues, or it's not the $5,000 you get at World Challenge Meets. And so you're, it's a hustle in this sport, a hustle that's, that's left, that's a, pretty much of a struggle for a lot of people. And so a lot of great talent end up leaving the sport and either working real jobs or playing football wow i always wonder like how like how that worked you know because yeah, you yeah. think you're only with the fifteen thousand dollars and you have to pay for housing too and you gotta oh, you know yeah. you gotta you gotta eat you gotta Food, eat you gotta, yeah. eat, you gotta, <laughs> eat, you gotta <laughs> eat you gotta eat healthy because you're gonna be back athlete so that's, that's interesting so so with that how do you what, what, what would you want to see the sport you know, evolve to as it as it progressed? You know, like as the years come, what would you hope, what, what you think would be better for athletes to kind of help them involve in the sport? Well, there's a lot of great, time. well, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of money in this sport, obviously. If, if the International Olympic Committee is located in, in Lausanne, Switzerland, or the fact that IWF World Headquarters is in Monaco, one of the richest principalities in the world. So there, there is money in this sport. It's just how do you divide that money up correctly? Do you divide up to those who are running the meets and promoting the meets, or do you divide that money up into the the, the actors or the characters who are involved in those meets? Um, it's it's easy to get eight people to fill up a ring, apparently. But do they want, sometimes they want those, those great characters. Sometimes they want the Brad Pitts of the 100 meters to show up. So you have to pay that Brad Pitt, the Brad Pitt money. Or you have to pay the Usain, the Usain Bolt money. And then you're left with so much amount for the rest of the people. Who do you end up filling the fields in? And so there's, there's not a, 
I guess there's not a connection with all the athletes. Some athletes are willing to, to take the, the scraps and some athletes are saying that we need, you know, to fight together so that we're, we're able to be paid more. Um, once we're, once all the athletes are on the same level, then there can be a better cohesion, a better unit to move forward, to ask for more money, to be a part of these meets because essentially there are no meets without the runners or without the competitors. But then again, there's a million competitors around the world who are willing to take whatever they can take. So I think first is, first is getting the athletes on the same page. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I can see that now because it's the track and field is so worldwide that it's, yeah, I can see that how it's kind of like, how do you manage that in different languages, different cultures, different, you know, currencies. So mm-hmm. interesting. So as you progressed in, in track and field, you made you made the Olympic team. How did you feel like what's next for me? Like how did you kind of understand like what I want to achieve now? So after 2012, um, I was left with a lot of hospital bills. I was left with a lot of just just random bills that needed to be paid, student loans, etc. Um, so that's when I realized like I I need this to work for me now. And so then it become, that's when I started learning about how to brand yourself and, and that you are basically your whole business in the sport. So 2013, 2014, I started looking around and say, how do I make this a little bit easier? Like I'm, I'm ranked top 25 in the world, but I'm still, because I'm a U.S. citizen, there's, or because I'm a U.S. athlete, there's a million other U.S. athletes who can fill the spots too. Um, how do I mark myself? How do I make myself stand out in this sport? instead of without just running super fast and so that's when I I was lucky enough to to my mom is straight from Samoa and so that was an easy easy marketing tool for me I can just switch allegiance run for Samoa and end up marking myself through that way that way I can make the Olympics still I still can represent myself and my brand but also being a part of I guess the development of another country so then you, you learn that you're an ambassador for yourself, you're an ambassador for the brands you represent, and then you're an ambassador for your country. And so you, you start thinking politically, you start thinking business-minded, business like, and then you, you learn how to make this work for you. This is your business now, you are a business, and everything involved needs to be aligned with what you want to do with your business. And that's when I really just started making moves as a marketing term and while still training and, and loving the sport on the side, but that's when I learned the professional of professionalism of track and field is more about being a businessman. I love that. It's like um, the Jay-Z quote, I'm not a business, I'm a businessman, you know, and I, and I, and I think, and I think that's so true. Especially come to at, when it comes to sports and athletes, you, if you don't own your story, someone's going to own it for you, then you mm-hmm. must lost all the power to who you are. Exactly. So, so if someone's listening right now, whether they're a track athlete, football, baseball, lacrosse, soccer, whatever the maybe, what will be your advice? Like maybe kind of understanding who they are as a brand. Uh, develop character. I know. I know the sport is very much a grind, and you have to be focused a lot of a lot of the times. But discover who you really are first. Uh, there's a lot of people who who end up throwing away their character because they're so busy focused on getting better at going over hurdles or getting better at or grinding constantly that they end up losing themselves and who they really are. Um, 
if you love to if you love to sing if you love to write like involve try to figure out a way to involve that into this sport use this sport i guess use this sport to help you out um, use this sport as a as a transport as a tool to get what you really want to do in life this is only just a just like in college i i use track and field to pay for college if it wasn't for track and field i wouldn't have paid for college same thing in life i'm, I'm using track and field to meet some some amazing people at other brands i'm i'm meeting some japanese companies over tech new technology i'm meeting um, some uk companies over food technology like it's i mean some incredible people because of track and field and i've been watching your ig and you've been, you've been using um, roll recovery and those, those, <laughs> are some, those are some dope videos y'all are shooting so props to that <laughs> well i'm learning how to how to make videos now off of a simple phone like you think oh you need the whole production like oh i got this phone let me play around and I learn new things every day just just by promoting myself. Awesome. I think that's so important for athletes to know because you, you think you need a whole production because you think you see what Nike does, you see what Reebok does, you think you think you need a whole production team to to go, yeah. you know, and shoot these fire videos. And so if anyone if you're listening right now, go to go to Jeremy's page. I'll put a link <laughs> I'll put a link to it and you can go watch the role recovery video. You can see how how clean it looks. And it's not, I don't know, you say you use the phone for it or y'all use maybe like, maybe like a, a Canon, maybe something like that? Oh yeah, just like a regular Nikon. Um, I love the Samsung phones. I love to promote Samsung, but <laughs> iPhones have some great technology. Androids have some great technology. Learn, learn to use your phones for your advantage instead of just scrolling up and down on Instagram. Like your phones are mini computers. They hold a lot of power to it. So use it for you. Mm, definitely. So what's next for you as you as you kind of continue to, to progress and you're out there training in Colorado? Like what's like your next goal you want to achieve? So the, the the ultimate goal to hopefully finish out the huge crescendo is is to make the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. And so everything leading up to that should fall in line. So this year it was an it was an off year for a majority of the world. There was Commonwealth Games a month ago where I got injured. Uh, end up uh, tearing my adductor, but so I end up missing a, a large part of Commonwealth Games and a large part of the early season. But I'm back to healthy. I'm I'm, I'm hitting up some European meets, hopefully to get in those meets and just race. I want to get back to just racing. There's there's nothing huge this year. I just want to get back to racing, traveling the world, and and finding that love of running again for this year. And then next year, there's World Championships in Doha, and that should hopefully lead up to train up well for that, lead up to the Olympic Games in Tokyo. So it's 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 another, I guess, three-year cycle now that we're starting out there, and everything is leading to one another. Awesome. I love how track and field, like, you think it's, an, you think it's like a four-year thing, but people don't realize that there's, like, even in between that you, yeah. that lead up to that. So I love that. You're like, yeah, awesome. <laughs> Well, I don't want to hold you up all day. Kind of, is my training day? Are you off day? Off day or what? Ah, uh, nah. Today's Tuesday, so today is our work day today. All right, good. So okay. I'm about to prepare myself for dying. <laughs> hey, you die. You die one day, one day at a time, right? <laughs> each <true>. day. <laughs> I, remember, I remember in college, you just like each day, you'd be like, "Dang, I'm about to survive this workout." <laughs> when I first got to college, uh, I used to count down like right after a hard workout. I count how many hours until the next workout because practices were so rough and so mm -hmm. hard, but somehow I survived. <laughs> yeah, I, remember, I remember like out here, I'll watch y'all one day at Phoenix practice. I'm like, man, I'm like, dang. 
the 2020 heat and you got there by the weekend. On the yeah, on the burning track, but it was fun. Yeah, you have a, yeah. when you have a great team, when you have a great group, it's and you, and you love what you do. You know, it's always mm-hmm. great. Well, one last thing, Jeremy, where can people find more about you at social media, websites, or anything? Uh, so I I try to blog occasionally and write some introspective things. Uh, my website, uh, www.jeremy/dotson.com, um, and then majority of the time I'm on Facebook and Instagram and. I try to tweet every now and then, but sometimes I think I'm more funny than I really am. So I guess everyone can be the judge. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll have the link to there and um, people can go check you out and kind of watch that video I was talking about. Go watch the video. <laughs> but uh, hey, no, no worries, man. I appreciate you coming on and kind of sharing a little bit of your story and um, enjoy that practice and talk to you soon, man. I appreciate you for sharing track and field to the world. Thanks a lot, Jacob. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Nine Point Starter with the Dream podcast. I was your host, Jacoby Gillum. If you enjoyed the episode, please comment, share, leave a review. We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can check out more about what we're doing with Nine Point at ninepoint.com. Till the next episode, talk to you soon.